Welcome to the People of Packaging podcast, where we introduce people to the world of packaging and the people of packaging to the world. Here are your hosts, Adam Peek and Ted Tate. Well, welcome everybody to season three. Ted, dude, season three of this podcast. You remember sitting in that uh, New Jersey hotel room thinking, boy, if 100 people listen to a podcast about packaging, that would be crazy. Yeah. And here we are, almost 10,000 downloads in our first two seasons across 55 countries. Uh, it's crazy to think where this has gone and and really the people that we've been able to talk to. So um, I'm, I don't see any end in sight. Um, I'm sure it'll come, but for now, we've got a lot of fun, fun guests. Well, it's been great. Surprised yeah. that we're not the only two packaging nerds out there. I know, I know. There's there's a lot of them, and even some other great podcasts have popped up in packaging. Uh, so that's been really encouraging to see because we're not in competition with other packaging podcasts, certainly. So uh, we encourage it, and if uh, if you want help with it, you know, you can reach out to Ted or I. I'm sure we would love to help you. So, uh, but to kick off season three, this is a first for us. Uh, so for the first two seasons, so about two and a half years that we've been doing this, uh, we've been bootstrapping this thing. Um, no, nobody sponsored it. It's just been Ted and I uh, coming up with the content and finding ways to put it out there. Uh, so we were approached by Doxalent. Uh, this was maybe six months ago. I don't remember or so. Uh, I guess the timing doesn't really matter. It's There's like pre-COVID or BC before COVID. And then just time since then has been weird. Um, but we were approached by Doxalent and they asked if they could sponsor our podcast, to which I replied, sure. Why I don't not? know what the, I don't know what that looks like, but yeah, you guys have a really cool, a really cool product that I think will help a lot of people. And so we are excited for the episode. Uh, we have Amy Rodriguez from Doxalent, and then they have brought on a special guest as well that we're going to be talking to, Albert T from GlaxoSmithKline. And I'm excited to get into the the interview with them, but but I have to tell you first because this is a podcast and it's now being um, sponsored, which is super exciting. I want to tell you about how you can up your packaging game along with supporting the podcast. So. Uh, Doxalent is a creator of a packaging specification management software called Insure. All right. Well, so what? Um, packaging professionals who maybe you're using templates and documents and spreadsheets and shared drives and email and Dropbox and all these different things to create specs and route them through approval. Uh, maybe you've had this sort of uncontrolled, modified version of a spec, make it out to production. And I remember this happened to a customer of mine where they, they had their uh, material spec on the proof. Um, they had changed the material spec just internally, but never updated the proof. They revved the proof. It was on a shrink sleeve. Uh, we ended up printing to the approved proof, which was the wrong material spec, the right ink and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, it came in and it was a disaster and uh, they ended up having to create a double purchase order and it's unsustainable because stuff's getting, you guys know the story. Uh, if you don't, you, 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 could, you could avoid it. Um, and they, they missed they miss their go-to-market time because of the reprint. So this is tough. Uh, maybe your company is having problems ensuring that the same standards are met across different departments, business units, time zones, you know, whatever it is. Insure can help you control your specs and maximize the efficiency of your specification workflows. It allows you to create, revise, and replicate specs in a controlled environment that prevents human error and ensures the correct version of a spec is being used and produced. It can link to related documents like artwork, technical drawings, die lines, et cetera, to create BOMs, collaborate with suppliers and CMOs, on specs from anywhere in the world in a controlled environment, and even automate email notifications, alerting suppliers and stakeholders when specs and documents become effective. So if that sounds incredible, uh, which it should, if you've walked through any of these nightmare scenarios, 
um, then you can support our podcast and level up your packaging game by going to peopleofpackaging.com. There's a form there that you can fill out, super easy, first name, last name, and email, and it will allow you to download Doxlent's ebook, How to Transform Your Packaging Specification Workflow to Increase Efficiency and Decrease Time to Market. Every single download of this ebook is going to help the podcast. Uh, Doxlin is going to be supporting the podcast through the downloads. Um, and the ebook has some great info on steps you can take right now to optimize your spec workflow. So again, you can go to peopleofpackaging.com. That's peopleofpackaging.com. Fill out the form and step your game up. So with that being said, thank you so much to Amy at Doxalent. Um, this is the People of Packaging podcast, and we want to talk about the software because it's important and it's helping people. That's why we decided to say yes um, to, to the sponsorship because you're, you're helping people get their job done. But we need to know about you. We need to know about Amy. We need to know about Albert. Um, so let's kick it off with, uh, with Amy. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. And why don't you tell us a, a little bit about yourself? We meet at Pack Expo, and uh, like Ted and I did at, at Lux Pack, and we're having, a, having an adult beverage, and we're just introducing. So tell me about yourself. Great. Thanks, Adam and Ted. We're really happy to be here, and I'm excited to represent Doxalent, but I also consider myself to be part of your packaging nerd posse, um, so it's exciting for us to be able to talk to packaging people and other people in the industry other than just our clients. So I'm Amy Rodriguez. Uh, I live in Rhode Island, and Doxalent is a Connecticut-based company um, that's been around for almost 25 years. It literally started with one software developer and one investor who just had an idea for document control software. That that first employee is still with us. His name is Dave Ahrens. Um, it has since grown to be uh, still a very small uh, software company with probably 150 customers globally. About 15 years ago, we decided to move from just document and control, you know, uh, SOPs and work instructions and versioning and things like that into structured data management for uh, specifications. So formulas and packaging. So we've had some of our packaging customers for more than 10 years. Crazy enough, some of those customers still use those old versions of the software and have not moved forward with the times. Um, but uh, luckily, customers like GSK have um, become customers of ours and, and adopted the newer versions. So we're able to do really cool and nimble things with them. Technically, my title is Chief Customer Officer. Uh, that's just a fancy name for saying that. I help clients use the software to figure out the best possible way to use it to do all the things that, that you mentioned in your, your intro. And, and we try to be amphibious. So we try to put ourselves in the shoes of our customer and listen to what they're trying to do and figure out how that meshes together. Um, and that's why we wanted to really bring Albert on this call with us because he and I have such a strong relationship working together. He's taught me so much about packaging, and I hope I taught him, taught him a little bit about software that he didn't already know to be able to do some really neat things over at GSK. Cool. And, and we're going to get to Albert's introduction, but uh, Amy, I, I need to know a few things. So you're in Rhode Island. Yeah. Um, that's, that's good to know. Uh, what if... Let's say that somebody shows up at your doorstep with a camera and they say, you are live to the world and you have to sing a karaoke song. What song oh. do you pick? It doesn't have to be, I mean, I'm not saying you have to be great at it, but what's like the first song that yeah. you have to perform for the entire world? Uh, it, it has to be Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Oh, great. Yeah, it's got to be some 80s, good 80s girl rock. Normally, I my my husband's a karaoke singer, not me. I'm a little too shy for that. I'm much more comfortable talking about work than I am using my own voice. Uh, but if I had to, after a couple adult beverages, I'd say girls <laughs> just want to have fun. We prefer to do dance party here rather than karaoke. Sunday night dance party with the granddaughters. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, well, cool. Uh, well, thanks for thanks for being on. We're going to get into uh, a little bit more. Maybe not. We won't make you sing karaoke, but uh, we, we want to hear more about uh, what you're doing and how you're helping people. And, and who knows, we might even learn a little bit more about you. So uh, and uh, thank you so much as well for bringing Albert on. Um, so Albert T is the Pack Tech Operations uh, just impact tech ops. We'll just leave it at that. You can expand on it further at, at GSK. Um, and he is, uh, I believe, not joining us from the United States. Is that correct, Albert? 
Yes, very true. I'm actually based in the United Kingdom. Um, All right. I've not always been here, but I was born in a little state, well, quite a big state, actually, in Malaysia, uh, on the world's third largest island called Borneo. Have you ever heard of it? That's I where I was born. Uh, my parents were immigrants from China, so I, I'm ethnic Chinese, but I grew up in Malaysia, learning three languages, English, Chinese, and Malay. And after high school, obviously, you know, People wanted to go overseas, so, so so did I. So I went and studied in England. And that's where I stayed after graduation. And I spent my whole career working in the UK. So I've been in um, pharmaceutical packaging. Uh, after college, immediately I joined a company called Beecham's. And I went to the QA department. I'll, and set up all the you know, testing, inspection, sampling systems, uh, record keeping, how to test, et cetera, et cetera. And throughout the years, from pharmaceutical, GMP, ways of working, I moved on to managing uh, digital artwork. So I know everything and learned everything about packaging, uh, printing, you know, flexo, gravure, uh, offset litho, et cetera, et cetera on all the different types of components. And so I, you know, spent my whole life and career in packaging in various guises. And then after that, pharma, I went to consumer healthcare. I went to our headquarters in London, and that's where I stayed until, well, I'm still here working for consumer healthcare. So all in all, you won't believe it, it is now 31 years I've been with the same company through different mergers and acquisition, but it is still the same company. Well, that's, that's unheard of nowadays. <laughs> yes, 31 years, pretty uh, frightening. Um, a lot of youngsters, you know, join a company for six, seven years, they move on because they want a higher grade somewhere. Um, you know, they hop over to the greener grasses somewhere. Yeah. But I stay with the company. That's that's awesome, um, and I think that you would be our our first uh, our first guest from the uh, oh my gosh what did I just forget it is it uh, Borneo is that what you said the name of the island was Borneo 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 yeah uh, yeah B O R N E O Borneo got it okay yeah you would be our first uh, Borneoian guest I don't that's probably not how it's, it's probably not how you say it. <laughs> Bornean, yes, I guess, yeah, yeah. Got my my uh, Malaysian state is actually actually called Sarawak. Okay. I won't. Okay, so. I, I won't. I won't try to pretend like I know anything about the Malaysian state of Sarawak, but I could Google it, I suppose. Um, <laughs> you can Google it. It's, uh, it's on the uh, UNESCO site of um, in my state in Sarawak. Not far. It's about 60, 100 miles away from where I grew up is a national park called Mulu, M-U-L-U. Google M-U-L-U is full of caves and full of, you know, uh, bats and things that, you know, it's it's wondrous world. It is a UNESCO protected site now. Oh, nice. As soon as you said Borneo, I started to think of palm trees and wishing we were in a non-COVID world where we could go visit places like Borneo. (laughs) True. Yes, yes, you can, yes. Fantastic. As soon as he said Borneo, it, it brought me back to uh, a show that my, my children used to watch called uh, The Backyardigans. Yeah. Yep. Did, they go, yes. did they, they go had to an Borneo? adventure in Borneo. Did they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, I thought we were supposed yeah. to be talking about packaging. Why are we talking about <laughs> this? Hey, this is just how it goes, Albert. This is how it goes. We... Uh, we, we ebb and flow with the time, so we've never talked to anyone from yes. Borneo. So, and, uh, so let, me, let me explain a little bit about why we um, started working with DocX. So yeah. through our GlaxoSmithKline acquired or merged or is a joint venture with Novartis. And Novartis, as a consumer healthcare company, they have a system, a specific specification control system, um, which is ensure-based. That's how we started saying, oh, they have a specification system. Because at the time, 
I designed and built a very old relational database based on Lotus Notes. So our company had decided that we no longer use Lotus Notes. We have to decommission Lotus Notes. They just didn't want and the so, name anymore, Albert. Tell them the name of the system that you designed. Oh, yeah. The, um, so, so it was a project name called Fluffy Duck. Okay, so we named, <laughs> after that, we named the database Fluffy Duck. Now, even story that goes, that, that was established for the UK sites. Okay, we, we manage it, our specifications. And then I took that Fluffy Duck to US colleagues, to our US sites, converted slightly because they wanted slightly different layout and certain terminology. And that database was called Falcon. So it's all bird related name for some reason. So we have Fluffy Duck and a Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> and that that name is still with us. Um, it's a long story. So we started migrating all the data out of the Falcon, Lotus Note Falcon, into Ensure, and we also call it Falcon 2.0. That is based on the DocX platform, by the way. So that's how I got to know DocX and started working with Amy. Um, because we need to migrate out of Lotus Notes. And and then, you know, I have very high expectation of managing all the different objects, meaning documents. Uh, we have different pack types. Then we have the managed relationship based on bill of material control. And then we have over, you may not know that, but across Europe, we have to pay taxes on all the packaging material that we as a producer, packer, you know, GlaxoSmithKline is a producer, we pack products in all the packaging, primary, secondary, tertiary packaging material. They all end up in a supply chain as household waste. So as a um, log logistical sustainability, protecting the environment, we pay taxes on those in Europe. So is it by gram weight? Yes, by, by weight. By pack type, meaning is it plastic, is it paper, is it aluminum, is it what, some kind of steel, is it wood, is it something else, something else, right? There's a classification. And then we add from our you know, uh, SKU management database called SERPs, which is SAP system, that give us a, how many SKUs we sold in a year in a market, right, per SKU based. You then get that figure from our insure system, we can then say, right, this SKU, this bill of material, underneath each component, it has its own relevant material, and then we gather the weight, and then we multiply up into the tonnage. That's how we pay taxes. And prior to, prior to you insure, Albert, it was probably being estimated, right? It was just, oh, these yes. may was, this much. It was cheating. Yes, it was managed by a spreadsheet, in an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, uh, it potentially was, over, yeah. potentially yeah. overpaying because you'd rather overpay and not yeah. get audited than underpay. Yes, we rather overpay than underpay because underpay that means that you, you're in serious trouble as a business. So you know. But everybody loves overpaying taxes. I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> that's what I've heard is. Hundred fifty dollars, right? Yeah. So okay. So the um, interesting the. Um, the, the, so it, so Doxlent was even part of helping to ensure, um, uh, uh, yeah. uh, ensure the, uh, the the proper taxes are being paid based on your packaging. Is that one of the things that you guys have been a benefit that you've been able to find? We 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 knew that we needed a more modern a database that can manage multiple relationship you know, all the way down to you know, from grandfather to father to child to grandchildren, etc. So a, a typical ERP solution is not that technical, and they don't look after all the technical detail, right? They don't have fields for that. They say stick a document in. So in the old days, you know, you stick a packaging spec specifications document in, that is, you lose all the intelligence in, in the document. Which is why we, you know, I have this vision of designing a system that has all the metadata, and then you can grab it, you can do, you know, cut it, slice it, dice it, whatever you want it later on. That that's why we found that that you know, ensure can deliver that. 
you uh, you actually touched on two of the questions I was going to ask. Um, so one of it, one of them was the importance of a spec system in your role at GSK. So we've heard part of it is uh, for taxes, for packaging materials. Um, what are the other key points to having um, a good spec system in your role? It is about source of truth, right? We as packaging engineer or developer, um, pack tech, whatever you want to call us, there are different terminology, but we all do the same thing. From NPI purposes, meaning uh, brand new product development, NPD, uh, we have to make sure that the material we choose, we document properly in all its material, uh, chemical properties, then to the physical dimension, the conversion, you know, being converted into 3D components, we have to document all that physical dimensions and how much it weighs, how big, how small, how tall. Then before we launch the product, we have to take that component, we're working with our supplier, and we put our product in, we fill it, and then we test it in, in various stability testing, make sure that we the product interaction is you know is allowed in the limit allowed, right? You don't have leaching of the product or packaging the polymer into your product. So there's two types of leaching we we testing. Then we put through a relative humidity chambers for testing and all that. After that test is done, is passed, we able to derive our shelf life of a product. We then go through a physical line trial, meaning that can this bottle or blisters or whatever that component is, can it run down our packaging line? Do we need a brand new packaging line, a cutter, a different tool, a tool set to manage this new packaging structure? So with all that, we then have to gather up all these um, necessary documents because we work in a GMP environment. Right? Everything must be traceable, must be documented, must be signed according to uh, e-signature and your FDA regulations, et cetera, et cetera. So FDA say you got to be, um, everything you do in the system must be traceable. Um, the person who signs it or created it is traceable, is real, not by somebody else. So. With uh, ensure system like that, it provides all those that we need, which is why we say, yeah, it's, let's digitize everything, no longer a piece of Word document that people sign and then print it out and sign it and then file it. Then you lose the sense of truth, where's the source of truth? Because we work across sites, different regions, right? We have factories in Europe, in Slovakia, in, in, and then we have, you know, in all the places in Ireland, it doesn't matter where they are because it is now in the cloud, so to speak, right? They all have access to the same system, it doesn't matter where they are. And everybody can collaborate. You can check out a document, work on it, check it back in. Your colleague can check it out, work on it, check it back in until you go through a review cycle. Uh, you have a reviewer and an approver, then everything's locked up. One is approved, it is locked and nobody else can edit it anymore. So in that sense, we provide a very secure environment to manage our data intelligence. Nowadays, we talk about data integrity. This is a method of providing a data integrity that can suit for, suitable for any audit function, right? Any auditor can come in, we have nothing to hide, everything right. is there. And the way we do it is with, we, we manage build the material on a skew based a market skew all the way down. And we even use and pushed DogX to come up with a new concept saying, we come up with an engineering bomb, meaning a pack family. So once you have a blister line, you set up all the necessary components in there. The rest of the market skew is just different variations on the artwork. You just create one engineering bomb. That engineering bomb can use by, oh, can be used by 200 different skews. That's yeah. Yeah, I'll add that's the, the concept that we started initially with GSK is just the concept of common specs. So a uh, two by four by one carton 
made out of a certain material, you're going to use it globally across all your markets. And if you change the material on that carton, you should only have to change it once. Whereas different sites were managing their own spec with a different unique number for that same exact carton. So then as you can imagine, just like your example, Adam, that, you know, if it could be revised in one place and not the others, because it wasn't communicated globally with the time zones and the, you know, language barriers, but now in one central system, it's just one carton just one and we have alias names for it because so people can use different ERP numberings for that same exact item but if you change it it propagates everywhere so there's no reason to um, manage it five times you just manage it once by one particular owner um, and then every single technical configuration of it that says it's this carton with this film with this insert with this label um, unprinted we ca I always call it the naked the naked bomb um, but it's the unprinted configuration then can also be repurposed over and over and over again it's 12 of these and 12 of those and 100 of those and then you just add your your printing information for your many 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 um, brands and variants and physical sites that will be, it will be going to so the packaging engineers aren't doing duplicate work for the sort of generic information. They're focusing their time on the new and cool innovations and new materials and, and new specifications, and then, you know, dealing with their many configurations for everything that gets printed. Oh, that's actually very good because uh, in my experience, uh, spec systems create more work. Mm -hmm. um, so administrative overhead. Yeah. We try to Definitely. try, we, 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 and some of our customers do that, you know, they, they do things the same way they always did it in paper, but in insure, but luckily with GSK, we have been able to cl collaborate and, and Albert's been a huge key in that because obviously he's been there forever. So he is able to communicate with all the different groups and they've had really good leadership to say, this is the way we're going to do things and, and to be flexible. And we started the project we're working on three years ago saying, this is the way we're going to do it. And then we had to bring the Falcon data in. So it actually got stood up in its own repository because for the sake of time, they had to um, deprecate and retire Lotus Notes. So for the sake of time, we didn't do a ton of process improvement. They also thought that they'd eventually go into some other system and then made, luckily for us, uh, they made the decision to, to standardize on Insure and take that system we built three years ago and expand on it. And we it's evolved because as we talk to the experts out in the field, they'll say, well, we do it this way. And we say, oh, wow, that's really smart. That's better than the way we do it. Let's get buy-in that this is the way and let's change the system to be able to evolve to that before we bring more data in from other sites and, and continue to, to, you know, enhance it and expand it. We're just nimble enough together to figure out the best way to do it and get buy-in first. We don't jump too fast, um, right. but we kind of weigh the pros and cons. And, and Albert says, I want this. And I say, no, 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 hang on. You have to think about this. And then he convinces me that it's a good solution. So we collaborate and move forward together. Okay. Well, and that was one of my other questions was, is the system pretty much standard or is it customizable, um, you know, by, by company? Yeah. So out of the box, it's pretty, uh, it, some of it is very customizable. So uh, customers have the ability to create their own hierarchies. So whether they do uh, raw materials, component specifications, printed specifications, uh, you know, they have drawings as control documents or attachments, they, they can decide at what depth um, or breadth that they store their documents. And then they can also control their, their layout. So a layout for us is an electronic template. So um, how do they want to organize their data? Do they want to have tabular data or do they want it to be loose fields? Do they have drop downs, text boxes? Are they required? Are there character limits? So they can control all of that. Um, when we when we start working with GSK, we can also do custom stored procedures. So this is just custom logic in the database that allows us to be nimble enough to build them things that they don't have to wait for our roadmap. So a lot of it's checks and balances. So it's it's checks that say things like, I just linked these certain documents. Can you check to make sure that that follows my business rules? So for example, when we take an engineering bomb, this technical bomb, naked bomb, and we convert it into a printed version, we make sure that they they link a printed item for every single component in their bomb. And it checks and it says, hey, you're missing a parent from one of these. This is breaking the rules. So that's all custom. Um, but we have the ability to develop that pretty quickly. And we put it through our software lifecycle in the sense that we document the requirements, we test them 
uh, uh, GSK tests them, they put it into a validation environment. So we make sure everything that we roll out that is considered to be custom is done in, in a GXP, GXP in a part 11 validated way. Hey, I mean, I had a question um, and, and maybe Albert, you can jump in on this too. Uh, it seems like a, a lot of this, uh, the especially like spec management and art management and things like that has been uh, largely a burden that has largely been borne by, uh, say, a vendor or a, a manufacturer of packaging, um, which I'm guessing in, in, that, in that environment sort of ties you into that vendor, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. Mm -hmm. they, they have your specs. Um, have you found that a kind of a robust specification uh, solution like, like uh, DocX is has allowed for companies to be a little bit more both vendor and even in a certain sense material agnostic to drive innovation because you're not afraid of innovation anymore. You're not afraid of new vendors anymore because it, you, you have that. I love what Albert wrote. I wrote down the single source of truth resides within your control. Is that something that you found either for GSK or just for other, for other customers, Amy, um, has, been, has been a value? Yeah, absolutely. And I th it, you're right that we we try to not say this is the way you do it. It's it's up to you. And what's interesting is sometimes customers don't like that. They they say, "Well, I want you to give me my spec templates and tell me how to do it." Well, how am I supposed to tell you how to do it? You know, I have an engineering background, but I came from electronic discovery software and then came to you know, Docsland 4 years ago, and we actually don't have packaging engineers on staff. We're not Ted and Albert. We're software vendors who sol solve problems for you. We just have a lot of experience doing packaging. So I can say, well, I have some customers do it this way and some do it this way. You tell me how you want to do it and I will do everything I can to make sure that you streamline your workflow and you don't create duplicate work and, and don't do all that so that they can really do what they need to do, but yet have it in a software solution. We try to mimic kind of the way they're doing it today, but better. Um, whereas I think there are providers out there that don't do that. Um, and we try to make it too that once they're in here, they can grow and change, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't be Herculean efforts to be able to to do that. Um, and maybe they manage some data some way, other ways, not in our system. We see that a lot too, where they don't centralize it. Um, I, there's a huge benefit to centralizing it. You know, everyone learns one software solution. It all goes in the same place, um, but it. It can also happen over time, which is what we're also doing at GSK. Some people out there are still on spreadsheets, but we have a plan to get them off of their spreadsheets so that they can, you know, now use this consolidated solution and not have to have all the worries that we talked about earlier. Right. Or, or, they're, on, or they're on Fluffy Duck. That's oh, they're on Fluffy Duck, and they yeah. like to pet it because it's soft. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Some companies uh, look at the software as... Uh, best practice uh, for, for multiple companies and try to take advantage of that to, to help improve their processes. Mm -hmm. um, but, but you're right. It's, it's, it should be a give and take like you and Albert have. Yeah. Oh yeah. So oh, I, I wanted to also mention um, Adam, it made me think that, you know, what GSK has also done, which we would recommend to a company, certainly one that, that puts forth the effort into packaging because it is obviously immensely important. You can't buy anything without the package and it creates so much brand loyalty and, um, you know, it's such a huge expense to, you know, uh, a company for whatever they're selling. Um, we find that a lot of our customers let their CMOs dictate the packaging. So this, they, they say, well, where are your specs? Um, they may use Insure for other things, but not for their, their spec management. And they say, oh, we just, you know, we just get a copy from the vendor. I'm like, you, you don't have the buying power to dictate that it needs to have this edge crush test and this moisture reliability test and whatever it may be. And it conforms to your tolerances. You just buy whatever they say and they don't even measure that stuff. And the, so a lot of them go, yeah. Um, you know, granted, a small companies don't necessarily have the same buying power as GSK, but GSK, they centralize it to their 
dozens or hundreds of CMOs, some create may, may only supply one thing to them, other may be key suppliers, and they also have their, their own sites that, that do packaging, but they dictate what it is because they have the packaging engineers on staff to do that. They have the expertise to say, no, this is what we're buying. Make sure you make this for us. A lot of our, we actually have packaging customers too, where they make packages for a living. So they're, they're box makers and, and food packagers and um, they they do make their own specs and same thing. They, they're usually like, oh yeah, we, we just make them. We just tell them what we're making. I've seen some of them and they're not as extensive as GSKs. <laughs> okay. Darn those packaging manufacturing companies. <laughs> Shame on them. Jeez, ridiculous, <laughs> these people. Uh, some say, some are flexible. They say, yeah. I make whatever my customer tells me to make. Like, okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't forget... Um, with Amy's uh, you know, comment on CMO, contract manufacturing, okay, we, you know, we as a company, every company, major company uses contract manufacturing. If you say you don't want to look after it, don't forget it is your product, your brand, your legal entities on it, you're legally liable for anything, for the product, okay? For any recall, any fault, um, if somebody's hurt, you know, God forbid somebody die because of something, you know, you don't want to look after it, your name is on it. So that that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've always it. I've always thought because uh, I, you know, I've I, I work for a packaging manufacturing company and um, I tell a lot of brands who are using contract manufacturers, not chief marketing officers. At first, I was like, yeah, chief marketing officers are important. She's not talking about chief marketing. She's talking about <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I try to communicate to them. And I think that um, from my perspective, just listening to this, this is a huge missing link that you are, are filling for companies like GSK, which is that you want for CMOs to control what they need to control, um, which is, you know, things like when, when does something show up and receiving? And, you know, in some cases, they're cutting the purchase orders because you don't want to control the supply chain. But as the brand, you have to control your specs, your art, your revisions, you cannot let the wrong product get out into the marketplace. And um, I, I, I have yet to find uh, a better solution than, than, than Doxalent and what you guys are talking about. So I, I'm, I'm really encouraged to go back and talk to some people and say, remember that big problem that we had? Uh, I, I think you need to talk to Amy. And if you need it, if you need a referral, you can talk to Albert. But it's <laughs> you're you're it, it's a great point, Albert, that you as the brand, as GSK, you control everything. I, I'm curious, have you um and maybe this is something that I can Google along with the Mulu National Park? Um, have you ever as GSK it, did this come about because from from a, a point of pain where you were like, no, we didn't do this? We were using Fluffy Duck or we were using whatever, and we, we lost control, and we had either a recall or something like that. Is that something that's ever happened, or was this just a best practice at GSK? Oh, yeah. You have, okay, for, for printed items, let me give you one example, okay? For a printed reel of label, all right? Depending on your orientation of the artwork and your machine capability, if you don't spec specify your real unwind to the printer, it will come in and say, some people, you know, your machine operator put it on the machine, said, oh, this label is upside down. I can't run it. As simple as that, real unwind right, is a specification number. Mm -hmm. in, in a printer world, there are eight or more ways of winding a real unwind of a printed label, depending on your artwork and text orientation. It can be one inside, wrong way up. It can be one on the outside, wrong way up. You know, as simple as that, and it happens. Even though you may have specified it, it is on the spec. Sometimes people, it is still people operating the machines in the printer right. world, right? It's a bad day. Somebody did not read the spec properly. They made a mistake. They ship it to the factory. The factory puts their hands up that you lost my one-day production now. It is costly. Mm -hmm. Something as simple as that, right? So there are other examples. Yeah, I've, I've, we could be talking until the cows come home. There's loads of examples. 
Yeah, I've, I've worked in the pressure sensitive labeling industry for about 13 years, and I'm going to guess it's probably at least once a quarter where somebody would call and say, hey, this is supposed to be a number three and it's a number four unwind. We can't load it on our equipment. And it's always yeah. at the very end of production runs. It's 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 such an easy thing. Yeah, to your point, sometimes it is specced and somebody just runs it the wrong way. The worst is when it's it's not specced. And as as the brand owner, and you're like, well, no, it says a number three unwind. Do you want a number four? Oh yeah, did that not update? Did we not make that change? We we changed contract manufacturers, and they, you know, whatever whatever it is, it's it was never it was never updated. So um, I think they yeah. both happen. Yeah, and the ambiguity, yeah, the ambiguity in the relationship. Like, who wants to be fighting with their key suppliers about then who pays for the scrap and the waste and who pays yeah. for the time? Yeah. That's just yeah. you know un unfruitful for the relationship. Yep. Exactly. Everybody suffers. Um, and sometimes things happen during product transfer. So we, you know, we call technical transfer between different packaging sites because of ca uh, capacity problem. We may have to ship the packaging of a product to another site. Then, you know, if you have a specification system, it's very easy to transfer from uh, contract manufacturer A to contract manufacturer B. You just download the whole thing and then give the whole folder worth of documents across to the next one. It's much easier and it's controlled. So, you know, having a proper documentation system, specification system, it helps. It, it makes your life easier uh, and everything's controlled. It is still within your GMP control. Yeah, I, I think too, Albert, the, a part of your story that's really interesting is that you made something homegrown um, and then due to the acquisition of Novartis um, and trying other things. I know you've had other systems, other, other, other systems other than Ensure. You standardize on our system because you then also don't have to build it. We build it, we validate it, we test it. So we're on the hook for the accuracy of how the software performs. And then you're on the hook for the way we've done it specifically for you and does it meet your requirements. So we've seen that with some yeah. of our other customers too. They build their own thing homegrown. And then what happens is the guy who developed it retires or leaves and they have no one to support these systems that were homegrown. They have no one who understands it. Yeah. They can't yeah. make any changes yeah. by having a commercially off the shelf solution. You have a vendor that you pay to support it. So it will always yeah have bugs that are fixed and release schedules and yeah. updates and things you ask for and things that are cool that you didn't necessarily ask for. Just that's, exactly. that's what we provide. Yeah. So you don't have to stress about that. Okay. Yes. It helped in both ways. It works in both ways because, because DogS has all these systems and platform in place. So it is much easier for GSK to write our systems requirement spec, user requirement spec, and then we go through our simpler IQO, QPQ validation plan. A lot easier, a lot simpler. A lot, you know, cost saving. Takes months potentially off the validation because you don't have to do it all from scratch. Yeah. I have okay. to tell these guys a really cute story about packaging when I first started working with Albert. So we're um, Sensodyne users here at our house. And if you're familiar with the Sensodyne tube, it's a little bit iconic um, in the, the polymer that it's made out of. And it's not like old school uh, toothpaste where you roll the tube up. Yeah, there's no, there's not, there's maybe no aluminum foil in it or no foil in it. So my husband's is a only use half of the tube of toothpaste user. And I told Albert, that's really causing some marital distress. And I'm a bit of a newlywed still. And I was a newlywed at the time. And I said, I don't know about this. I need to talk to the engineer because you can't get the rest of the toothpaste out after like you've got like three quarters out without two hands. And as everyone knows, how do you brush your teeth? You have your toothbrush in one hand and your toothpaste in the other hand. My husband would abandon the toothpaste when there was like more than a quarter of tube left, has like a week left of toothpaste. So Albert says, Amy, I'm going to copy the engineer who designs that for you on an, on an email. And he was the That's cuteest amazing. thing. That's amazing. I was like, I like direct access to my packaging engineer exactly. so I can complain oh, yeah. about oh, what yeah. I don't oh, like. Yeah. I was like, it is such a sleek and sexy tube, but it's really causing me problems. So now we have two tubes of toothpaste on the sink, one that has almost nothing for me and one that's one-handed for my <laughs> husband's. That's awesome. <laughs> so actually, Amy, you brought out one subject that Adam asked uh, quite a while ago saying, 
we as a manufacturer, are we being put in a corner by some kind of customer requirement? Customer yeah, right. Ask? Right. Well, there is. There is because all of a sudden in the last year or so, everybody talking about pollution in the ocean with tons of plastic, right? And there are our current toothpaste is a lamination. It's got aluminium, it's got polyethylene, it's got um, all the coatings, etc. many layers of different material. And it is not recyclable. So now we are being bombarded from the environmental issues and say, now GSK wakes up. Now, what are we going to do about our toothpaste tubes? Okay, let's go to monopolymer. So this is, we're working on that now. So we're the only company, but other companies are doing the same thing. You know, try and get rid of something you cannot control or something you can control and do something about it. Yeah. I asked the question, um, and then Ted's going to jump into the final question, but on LinkedIn, I'd asked the question, what do you think would be the biggest problem facing the packaging industry in 10 years? And uh, in, a, in a couple of days, we've got 110 votes, and ocean plastics is at 41%. Global warming is 16, overpackaging is 32, and then so to your point, Albert, it's it's a big deal. But uh, I know Ted had, Ted had Ted had one more question he wanted to jump in with, and then um, I have I have a fun question that we can uh, we can answer. Okay, so just very quickly, um, Albert, uh, in the UK, I mean in the US, we had uh, months of shutdown where everyone's working remotely. Um, are you working remotely or in the office in the UK? We're all working remote since March. Since March, okay. Because our office is pretty big, right? That's four, about 4,000 of us in one office, in you know, one building. That's, that's not controllable. You, know, you okay. cannot observe social distancing. So we've been given the green light to work. Everybody work remotely if you can work remotely. So majority of us are working remotely. Um, so we collaborate using our systems and you know IT structure, uh, infrastructure, and then we, as a team, we spread across different regions. So I, I work remotely, connecting to my Canadian colleagues with JV work in a joint venture with Pfizer, uh, working with Wayama in in Puerto Rico, and working with China and Italy and everywhere else. We, everybody's you know, we're not missing anything. <laughs> it's just a new world. So I guess the uh, the the, the question uh, to tag on to that would be um, how, how has Doc Excellent been able to manage with you working remotely from your team? Yeah, so for us it was sort of business as usual. Um, because we had recently started to expand on letting people be full remote employees. Um, I have a hour and 15 minute commute each way. So I started to be home three days a week right before the pandemic hit. So it was pretty easy for us to start doing that. And we've been busier than ever because we do serve the pharmaceutical and consumer health market. So we've, we actually have a lot of customers who are um, working on vaccines, um, sell tubing, sell needles, need to package those needles. And we just have so many customers that are, that are in the space. So luckily we have been super busy. And so it's worked out really well that when you're not driving, to the office and spending time commuting, you're actually working longer hours. <laughs> right. um, and we've, you know, right yeah. yeah, right. We're, we're busy. So GSK was too. We were so surprised that we, we knock on wood. We were really lucky that only maybe two of our customers have been impacted by the virus because they, they have products or um, they provide services that were impacted by COVID. Everyone else has really been, been booming. And also, you know, even from a, an infection rate, I've known a couple of customers who have gotten sick um, and they've all made it through. So That's you know, good. we are on the bright side of, of everything with all that's happening. Okay. And, and to answer that question, Ted and Adam is, all these years that I've been working or we GSK have been working with DocX is through remote. We never met all these years, okay? Everything is done remotely and we collaborate using systems and then we launch systems just to show you how what is capable yeah. you don't need to meet face to face we keep trying we keep you know, pre-covid we kept trying to, to get me over there for a week or two to work with the team but only oh. because we wanted to meet in person and have a beer together more so that yeah. than i needed to be there <laughs> and the system is cloud-based 
It can be. It's, it is not for GSK. They've chosen to go on-premise for now, so it's behind their firewall, um, but there's discussions about moving them into the cloud. Okay. Cool. All right. Go ahead, well, Adam. Uh, so my last question, I think we've already covered quite a bit of, um, uh, but first of all, really appreciate uh, Albert and Amy uh, you guys being on and, and talking about yourselves and your background and then also just what it is that you do and, and how you're solving problems um, in the packaging world, I think is, it's, it's so critical, not just from a, from an environmental issue, but, you know, we talked about healthcare and food and consumer goods and all these things. Packaging is, is incredibly critical. We're, we're all part of the packaging nerd posse as Amy <laughs> has, uh, has, has coined the phrase. So, um, Appreciate you both being on. My last question is: um, You are you are given um, the I don't know, Albert. You're over in London. I was in London last summer, and I took my kids, my two oldest kids, to the Harry Potter studio tour up in uh, I think it was in Watford. So yeah. um, you are you are given the the Wizarding Wand of packaging, and you are allowed to change anything about packaging um, that that you want to with just a you, you got you have to say the spell right, but but you do it. You you nail it. Yeah. So yeah. what is what is that thing that uh, that you that you want to change that you would change about about packaging uh, with with your wand? You only get one shot. Reduce waste. Think of alternative. You know we've got to move on. Stop using um, mm. fossil fuel based material. Look at alternative. Look at renewable resource. That's that's my one. Okay. That's a great one. We'll that. Awesome. Okay. And Amy, what's yours? That's a good one. Um, more karaoke songs about packages. More. <laughs> you can uh, write a song. Uh, that's that would be so you would so you would combine both questions with I would <laughs> I would perform the packaging karaoke song that I wrote that would be you'd fix the industry and do the song yes we need a jingle wow. about people yeah. in packaging that I could sing okay so I was at I was at someone's house here in I live in Salt Lake City and I was at someone's house and they said they saw this guy walking by and they said oh that guy uh, are you familiar with the Hot Pockets jingle? I'm like, sure, yeah. He's like, yeah. He wrote it. He wrote the Hot Pockets jingle. And I was like, he just, and it was a really nice house. That He's like, yeah, he lives in that house. And it was this beautiful home. And I'm wow. like, he got that house from Hot Pockets. Hot Pockets. I got to get into making these, uh, making these jingles. So, um, well, once again, thank you both so much, Ted. Thanks for, uh, you know, Bearing with me through two seasons and charging ahead to season three. So uh, oh, please. It's, been fun. it's been so fun. Um, and once again, I'll just uh, reiterate, uh, thanks so much to Doxalent. And if you want to get their free ebook and help support our podcast, you can go to peopleofpackaging.com and insert, uh, you know, first name, last name, and email address, and you'll get a copy of it. It is how to transform your packaging specification workflow to increase efficiency and decrease time to market. Um, Amy and Albert, uh, thanks again. What's the easiest way? If people had follow-up questions, would it be to find you on LinkedIn? Is that maybe the easiest way to get in touch or what would sure. that be? Yeah, uh, they can come to docsalent.com. So on docsalent.com, there's a chat uh, feature right on cool. there. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity, guys. It was great to talk to you. So fun. Thank and, and thanks, Albert. Yeah. You're a great pal. Yeah. Great to meet you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.